Welcome to Shit Show of My 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm so glad you're here. I'm a 20-year-old from LA, and I started this podcast back in April after getting furloughed from my job for 10 weeks. I realized during those 10 weeks, I could do absolutely nothing and sit on the couch and eat ice cream, or I could do one of the projects I've been wanting to do but have been pushing off for the longest time. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while, but I've been pushing it off, pushing it off till when I felt ready, when I felt good enough, when I felt like my story was good enough or when I felt comfortable in front of a camera or, or talking to people. And I realized that that moment was really truly never going to come. I was never going to feel ready enough. I was never going to feel good enough and that I just had to create that experience and just step out there. And I just recorded and I recorded before I was ready. I recorded before I felt comfortable. And I remember the first interview shaking before and then the feeling afterwards after having the conversation with her. And I realized how much of these stories I built up in my head about how it was going to be or how I wasn't prepared or whatever. And when I was just present in that interview, I learned so much and I realized I want to do this again. So I did it again and again. And since April, I've interviewed over 90 people, heard so many incredible stories about love, heartbreak, career, success, so many good things. And if there's something that I hope that you guys get from this podcast, it's that you're never going to feel ready and that if it excites you and it kind of scares you at the same time, maybe you should do it. Maybe you should try it and see what happens. So I would love if you guys could help share this podcast, share it with someone you think will love it, and leave a review. So that's pretty much it. Today's guest is Cassandra Wilder. I love chatting with her. We talk about basically everything that they never teach you about your period, the different stages of your cycle, what does it mean if you skip a month, the effect that stress can have on your hormones, and the effects of birth control, how she met her partner, and how she was able to tap into this mindset of abundance and so much more. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Cassandra, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you, getting to know your background, your story. I'd love to know more about your background. So tell me, like, what different career changes have you had so far? How did you get into the path you're at right now? Well, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I get asked that question a lot of, like, how did you end up specializing in, like, period health? What, what does the journey around that look like? And yeah, honestly, I would have never guessed this is where I would end up. I worked so many different versions of the corporate world, but health was always my passion. So I remember being very young, like 12 or 13, wanting to be a naturopathic doctor and really believing that the body did have an innate ability to heal. Like many people too that go on to specialize in something, it was close to home for me because I'd struggled with my period in my adolescence and no one really provided many solutions for me. So the solution was always birth control, just get on the pill. And I remember being very young and thinking, but, but that's not addressing what's actually happening. Can someone tell me why my period is so irregular? And the answer was no. So that always stuck with me. And uh, I went on to do my bachelor's in health and nutrition, but wanted something more all-encompassing. So less food guide pyramid, we could say, and something more holistic that really did have that empowered perspective that with the right tools, the body can heal. So I went into naturopathic school. And that ended up just being the perfect environment for me to start to ask those deeper questions. Why is it that we still act like women's hormones are so mysterious and no one knows how they work? And why is it that there's no blueprint for women around their periods? It's just kind of, you're a woman, just comes with the territory. 
takes a mitol. Like, what kind of solution is that? And I started to feel like there's got to be gaps here. So seeing the gaps in research around women's health and how even in clinical trials and research around nutrition and exercise, women of reproductive years are largely left out. So it started to create this burning passion in me of if no one's going to figure this out, no one's going to fill the gap, then I guess I'll do it because I need this help and most of my clients need this help. So I guess it's me. So it kind of came out of necessity (laughs) versus necessarily wanting to. And uh, over the years, it's just continued to grow. And and here we are. When you were experiencing those periods and you can't find a solution for them, where did you start to look to find a solution? And like, what sort of things did you start trying Mm. to try and fix it? Mm -hmm. Well, when I was really young, I really put doctors up on a pedestal. And so at that time, I just thought, well, the doctors can fix me. And and then, like I said, they just said, well, birth control, there's nothing else we can do. So that sat weird with me. But then even into my early 20s, I started to develop thyroid disorders, and I had struggled with eczema most of my life. So I started to have these weird little random health problems start to pop up. And so it was more so through those avenues first, my thyroid and my skin health, that I started to address it on my own in terms of nutrition and food sensitivities and are there supplementations that I can do to help my body come back into balance. And then in doing that, that gave me this motivation because my eczema did clear up and my thyroid did start to improve. And then I thought, well, if it worked in those areas, then I guess let's try my cycle. Let's see why it's so irregular, why it's so sporadic and why there's zero predictability around it. So I dabbled in like literally everything, every diet, every supplement. And I think that's kind of the way it is in the natural health world. We have this perspective of like, I will be the guinea pig for the greater good, right? Is there any like supplements that you recommend people taking? Is there any things that have made a big difference in your life and your cycle? That's a really good question. There are a lot of things and everyone's body is a little different and everyone's hormones are different. So there's not a lot of like across the board, really good things because everyone's root cause could be different. But in terms of good general guidelines, iron is so essential. And my favorite way to get that in is with red raspberry leaf tea. So drinking that every single day, it sounds so simple. It sounds like too good to be true. But I tell you, if you have painful, like crampy periods, or you go through periods of amenorrhea where you don't have a period for months or your cycles are irregular, start with the tea. That's absolutely life-changing. And then for other symptoms like PMS, something as simple as vitamin C is clinically shown to help increase progesterone levels. And that's usually why people can get like, you know, have that, uh, that hard week of the month when you feel like you could kill someone comes back to progesterone a lot of the time. So I would start, yeah, with some good vitamin C, some red raspberry leaf tea, and then starting to get down to the root of what's going on for you, because there could be something else. It could be something you wouldn't even suspect is truly behind the symptoms you're experiencing. What are your opinions on birth control? So I talk about that a lot. (laughs) I know, you know, I, I'm not anti-birth control, but I am pro-informed consent. And the story I hear every single day with clients in Instagram messages is, The story of a young woman, you know, 16, 17 years old, has irregular periods or really bad cramping. They go to the doctor, they get on birth control, they stay on it 10, 15 years. And now they're having all of these issues. Their hormones are out of whack. They can't lose weight. Their thyroid's out of balance, no sex drive. And so to me, the, what I don't like about that whole scenario is at no point did someone sit down with these young women and explain the potential side effects 
or explain even the things to look out for. So it's handed out kind of like candy. And I don't think that's a, an empowering approach for women. So if someone knows the pros and cons and genuinely feels like it's the right fit, 100% have my support. But I don't like this gap that we see right now where women tell me, Cassandra, if I would have known, I would have never taken it. When people are getting off of birth control, what do you suggest for them? Do you suggest that they go off of it right away? Do you suggest small doses? How do you suggest like getting off of that? Yeah, ideally working with their primary doctor or their OBGYN is really important. Birth control is the kind of thing that you can stop. It's not something you have to wean off of. So as long as you're doing it under a doctor's supervision, communicating that you will be doing that, that's the first step. And then depending on what kind of symptoms they're experiencing and how long they were on birth control can kind of determine what the next step is. So for example, I had a client call recently. She was on it 15 years and now is breaking out in cystic acne. She looks like she's pregnant. She's so bloated. Her periods are terrible. And so for us, that's a lot of rebalancing we have to do together because it's gotten that bad. Birth control definitely affects hormones. It definitely decimates your gut health, definitely affects your thyroid, your, even how your brain functions on a chemical level. So there is a rebalancing process that's ideal. And what is like a healthy cycle look like versus an unhealthy one? That's a really good question. There's kind of a, some guidelines, but everyone's norm can be slightly different. So we hear about the like 28 day cycle. And while that's kind of a, a nice place to start, that's not necessarily what it has to be. So really as long as it's say 26 to 34 days total, that's ideal. What we don't want to see is the inconsistency, the irregularity, and we don't want to see anything very short. So some people have 20, 21 day cycles total. That's one extreme. And then also like 50 day cycles would be another. The blood should be bright red with little to no clots and no mucus. That would tell us that the body's releasing well. It also shouldn't be something that really like detracts or debilitates you from your normal life. So any extreme, whether it's the PMS is raging, or it's so painful, we can't go to work, or we get these migraines with it, or our face breaks out, anything that's on that extreme side definitely indicates something's not well <laughs> in the hormone or the gut or the adrenal arena here. So it should feel pleasant, dare I say, maybe some minimal cramping, releasing, and then at most up to seven days. But most clients, when we start working together, we get it down to three to five days. So again, don't want to bleed for nine, 10 days. The last thing was the amount. So ideally about 30 milliliters in the entire cycle. So say we're going through multiple tampons a day for five or six days, that would again be an extreme symptom. We're bleeding too much. And can you go through the different stages of your cycle? Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that we've, you mentioned this earlier <laughs> that like none of us ever learned this. We learned that you might get a period someday and here's a tampon. And that's about it. That was, our, that was our education. So while we think of our menstrual cycle as our period, our menstrual cycle actually is the term that encompasses the whole month-long cycle. And then your period is the bleeding phase. And there's four phases that we experience throughout the month. And they're equally significant to your period. Your hormones are doing amazing things. So I'll touch on those just briefly here. So the first phase is your follicular phase. And so this is right after your period stops until your ovulation, seven to 10 days. And to make it even simpler here, you can think of it in the terms of seasons. So think of that as spring. And how do you feel in the spring? You feel pretty energetic. You're excited to get outside. You feel good for the most part because your estrogen in this phase is 
surging. And estrogen is like a sexy, happy, social kind of hormone. So if everything's balanced, we feel really good here. And that keeps building until we ovulate. And that's the time in the month when you can get pregnant. Think of this as peak summer. In summer, we are so social, we feel sensual, life is good. You know, and maybe not this year because we didn't get a summer, <laughs> but most years we, we feel really good. This time of the month is a 24 hour window when our egg leaves our ovary into the fallopian tube and can actually create a new life. Sperm though can live in the body up to five days. So that's why some people will say your ovulation is like five days, but that's only because if you had sex today, in four days, you could still get pregnant, if that makes sense. Mm. I know it's kind of weird to wrap your mind around. So then after ovulation, you dip into your luteal phase. That's the longest phase of the whole month. It's 10 to 14 days, and it's the energy of fall. Your hormones are very low here until progesterone starts to increase. But if we don't have enough progesterone, which is the case for a lot of people, things like PMS and breast tenderness, irritability, all of that really, really comes out really intensely. So this can be a really lovely time of the month. If we're balanced, it can be the worst like 10 days of our life every month if things are imbalanced. This is definitely a time too where on an emotional level, we feel less social, we feel a bit more introverted, and our body craves a bit more of a slow pace. So a key time to slow down as much as we can. And then finally, we come into our period or our inner winter. So we feel like we want to cozy down cup of you know, tea or coffee on the couch with a big blanket. That's naturally, biologically, what your body wants during this phase. Your hormones are extremely low here, almost non-existent. Everything in you is asking you to slow down, to rest, and to rejuvenate. So just that, you know, whatever that was, four minutes or something, is more information than most of us ever got. And I think that's really sad. And what would you suggest if someone's missing their period what could that be a sign of like what would you suggest for them to get more regular periods mm. so for that it really comes down to the person everyone can have a different mm -hmm. root cause behind that for some people it's severe deficiencies like anemia so their body just doesn't have enough iron for other people it's a lack of ovulation and so a lot of the time when I see a client and especially this year a lot of people went months without a period because of the stress and when the body is stressed, it doesn't know how to distinguish between like a bear trying to eat you for six months and like global meltdowns, you know, like it, it doesn't know the difference. And so because your body feels stressed, it says, hey, this is a bad time to get pregnant. I don't want to get pregnant. So turn off ovulation. And then sometimes that doesn't turn back on automatically. So if our ovulation is non-existent or delayed or skipping it, then it's very likely our period will also be non-existent. So that's, that's kind of a different perspective because we think, why, where's my period? But we need to be asking, why am I not ovulating? What's my adrenal health like? Am I stuck in that fight or flight, that sympathetic nervous system? Am I getting good nutrition? What is my self-care like? And then supplements ideally would help as well. And what advice would you give someone who's really stressed right now to maybe feel a little less stressed? <laughs> It's so hard, right? Because that's the, the irony of talking about stress is we're like, just don't stress. And you're like, but that stresses me out because I'm stressed. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a really hard year for everyone. So even though it sounds very cliche, finding the practices that do help you slow down and come back to yourself is not just an optional thing anymore. It's absolutely essential. 
So whether that's taking 10 minutes to meditate in the morning or you love a hot bath with your candles or you appreciate one week or excuse me, one day every week to just sleep in and lays in bed. It doesn't have to be like going to the spa and getting a massage and a facial. That sounds nice. But keep it realistic. What can you actually do right now that consistently helps you feel more balanced? Because if you're stressed and your cortisol is increased, your adrenals are taxed, everything else just follows that. That's like the natural decline of, of everything. I'd love for you to go into your Instagram handle <laughs> and how we were talking about before, how it kind of either attracts your people or it steers people away. Totally. And were you always in that mindset of I either want like my people or I want not to have these people who aren't meant for me? Have you always had like that mindset of abundance around it? I wish I was that wise. Even like a year ago, I, I don't think I was ready to be that clear and like, if my Instagram handle offends you, then I don't know what to tell you. Like clearly <laughs> find, find someone else. There's someone else that's a better fit for you. But it was, so before I had just gone by my own name and I do feel like I was more vanilla back then and that I was still very specialized, but I kind of felt like I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable. It's really weird. I don't know what's, obviously I had more healing to do around that. And then about a year ago, I said, I'm going to create a handle that will either repel people or really pull them in. So I put the menstruation queen and initially I did lose some followers, especially a lot of men <laughs> who were like, I don't want to follow this. And then it was like within a couple months, there was this tidal wave of people coming in that finally felt like this is someone that's going to talk about the stuff. No one else will. This is the person that's going to keep it real, not sugarcoat things, get into the nitty gritty and really provide solutions. And even today with my clients, when I do free little mini calls with people that want to work with me, feel good in that mindset of I'm, if we don't have a resonance and if it's not very clear that you really, really want this, there's probably someone better out there for you. So it's not that scarce mindset that I do think I was in for a long time, which is I can help everyone and I can save everyone. That doesn't work, sadly. Mm -hmm. And what advice would you give someone who's maybe trying to step into more abundance and less scarcity? Mm. I think the more we own our truth, the more we own who we actually are and what we're willing to accept in our lives, it becomes just part of that process. I think it's when we are still operating out of more of a codependent mindset or that idea that to be loved or to be worthy, we have to be liked. That keeps us stuck forever. And men don't struggle with that nearly as much as we do. We put this on us, us like a, people don't like me, then I am not worthy. People don't like me, then I am terrible. And geez, what a horrible, what a horrible weight to put on ourselves. So the more you speak out and the more you're authentic to who you are, everything else will just flow in. Stop the people pleasing. Is there anything that you noticed really helped change your skin? Mm. Skin is interesting because it's always deeper and our Western world is so the opposite, right? We, if we have acne or eczema or something and you go to a dermatologist, how is it treated most of the time? Topically, they say, well, you need a cream, you need a steroid. It's always a topical kind of thing. And that's why some people get better and some people don't, or some people will do the acne treatment and stop it a year later and it all comes back. It just shows that we're not figuring out why it's happening. So a lot of the time when women especially have cystic acne or even eczema, for me, that was a, something I did internally 
that then cleared it up externally. We have to look at the deeper layer. So is it a hormonal thing? Is it a gut thing? Is it a liver thing? And when we resolve that, it ripples out to the rest of the skin. So I know skin stuff is so frustrating because it's like right there and everyone can see it, especially on our faces. But if we don't go deeper in, it's hard to say if it will ever clear up. Going into when you were going into like, I'm just going to step out fully as me. Are there any stories or any stories you started to share with people or different things you started to unveil during that year that mm. you know has really helped you transform? Mm. And do you mean like in how I was showing up online? Yeah, how you're showing up online, how you're showing up in interviews, how you're showing up just in general. Mm. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, I think the more that's, that I said, I'm going to be authentic in this and I'll either attract the people or repel them. I think the more comfort I also had in showing my own vulnerabilities. Like a question I got all the time was, well, if you're the menstruation queen, like you just must be so balanced and so perfect. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've done a lot to support my hormones. So I don't have any like extreme side effects. But like we talked about at the beginning of this call, do I get PMS sometimes? Totally. Like that's just part of it. Do I have cycles that are more painful than others? Totally. And so by, again, removing this pedestal, we tend to put people on online, especially where we think they're just all knowing and they, they're so perfect and they're so balanced and whatever and keeping it real and sharing those moments when things are not going so well, sharing those moments when my partner and I do get in a fight because of me, because of my own PMS thing makes you feel relatable and people want someone relatable. They don't need a guru. They don't need someone elevated above them. They want to feel like they're not alone. So yeah, I think sharing my story more and keeping it real was really refreshing. And can you go into that fight you had with your partner? Was it because (laughs) you were PMSing? Was that like part of it or? You know, it's like every month, you know, for all of us with a relationship, there's always going to be like a little something, you know, you get to like day 27 of your cycle and you're just not having it. Them not like, asking if you want some coffee is like offensive. It's so, it's so silly, right? You, it's funny later, but yeah, like all things, it was something really small, like just a total misunderstanding. I heard one thing, he said something else, but because of that, I took it very personally and I really withdrew. And then, yeah, it's one of those kinds of things where the next day you're like, why, why were we upset yesterday? <laughs> like that's how insignificant it is. So Especially in PMS kind of stuff, though, the thing that served me the most is in those moments where I know that I'm not necessarily acting like myself, I feel more sensitive, is remembering that he doesn't have to fix me in that moment. It's not his job to like swoop in and save me from my own cycle. It's up to me to pull my way back out of it. And I just ask for his patience when I do that. So that's really key. Mm -hmm. And being in a relationship and being so close to someone, how do you not take things from them personally? Quite the challenge, <laughs> especially if you're sensitive, right? You, I, we all know some people that are just, they're so thick skinned. You could say anything and they'd be like, eh. and then you have people probably like us that are more empathetic. And we're like, wow, why did you say that? What did I do? And you like, think about it for three days. It's so silly. But again, I think it's, part of that healing journey is learning how to let things roll off of you and learning what is truth for you. Sometimes when something stings like that, it's because there's truth to it, right? Because we know they're kind of seeing something that we don't want them to see. 
but sometimes it's not true. Sometimes it is a projection from them. So learning how to be intuitive and how to listen to what they're saying and, and feel into that moment of, is there truth to this? Or are they obviously in a, in a tough moment and are they really putting a lot on me that's not mine to carry? So it's hard to say. It's, it's I think, very personal. But the more, again, you connect with yourself, the more you can immediately decipher, do I need to take this in? Or is this just one of those things to walk away from? And how did you meet your partner? We met through a mutual friend. And it's funny, we worked at the same places um, years ago, but we never met. So it was interesting. It's like the, the universe or whatever you want to call it kept trying to help us meet, but we kept missing each other. So, yeah. And what was your first impression of him? I thought he was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like our first date was so fun because we, there was just that immediate chemistry when you just feel like you've known someone before and you talk for like three hours and, and you realize that you like need to go home and work and like have a <laughs> have some productivity for the day and yeah that really stood out to me that ease and what's something you've learned from him oh gosh <laughs> he's such a good teacher in that we mirror each other a lot he's he has a sensitivity to him like I have and so he's definitely taught me the art of patience and also how to really listen. He's, he's literally the most balanced, beautiful man that I've ever known. And he's so good at really just sitting through uncomfortable moments. And that's why I think our relationship is just, it's been so good. I feel so lucky. And what do you think you did to really call that relationship in? Or did it just like kind of come in out of nowhere? I think we both over the years got really clear as to what we wanted. And we stopped settling. I think both of us had our own versions of thinking in more of the scarce mindset, which is, well, it's not that bad. I don't know. This person's all right. Or sometimes it's good. Like if you have to rationalize it like that, I don't know if that's healthy. (laughs) And so finally we got to that breaking point of this is what I actually want. This is what I know I deserve. And I will wait until I get that. And I think we both did that independently. And by the time we met each other, we finally were like, ah, here you are. (laughs) I've been looking for you. And I'd love for you to go into goddess ceremony. How did you create it? Where did the idea come from? Yeah. So when I first left my corporate job, it was because I had, I was very aimless and I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I hated that. So this was, I just finished my undergrad, but didn't yet know what the next step was. So I was feeling really disillusioned. I'd just come out of an abusive relationship. So I did what many of us in our early twenties do, which is, I decided to sell everything and buy a one-way ticket and get a change of scenery. Maybe find myself and why I kept attracting such poor men, why I continued to have these bad things happen to me. Obviously, it was something with me because it was this pattern over and over. So I went to Guatemala and that's where I went to my first women's circle. And it was so healing for me to sit with other women. I, I had lived a lot of the cliches around women, that women are catty, women are competitive, when really that was a reflection of me. And so to sit in a circle with people that were so kind and so introspective and and saw things in such a broader scale than me was so inspiring. And it, it changed the trajectory of my life. So I started leading circles in Thailand, maybe six months later. And then by the time I moved to Michigan to do my doctorate, I was so craving community. So I started leading circles and retreats there. So it started as just my own healing. 
And because it was so healing for me, I thought, well, maybe someone else needs this. Maybe I can just hold a loving container for them to share their story and to know that they're not alone. And then, yeah, before I knew it, I was doing like 16 retreats a year all over the country. And yeah, it, yeah. sometimes I feel like your purpose in life finds you before you find it. Can you go into those women's circles and what kind of like activities you do? What's it like inside of a women's circle? I've never been in one. So. Oh, Got to add it to your list. They're so great. And they're all really different, but more than anything, it's a, it's a place to know that you're not alone. A lot of us struggle with our relationships or religion or old wounds or trauma or something. And we feel like no one understands and I'm, I'm all alone in this. And I wish someone could hear me and not judge me. And so in a women's circle, that's simply what it is, is a loving container where you can just be yourself and that's enough, where you're worthy just as you are. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to put on the facade that we all do. You can just be you. So it's a space to share and connect. And then um, some are, are based around the moon phases because our cycles, like we talked about earlier, also mirror perfectly with the four phases of the moon and also give us a blueprint for knowing when it's in alignment to be really bold and extroverted and also when it's okay to sleep on the couch all day <laughs> when when you feel more in that low state like you would during your period and then other things can come in too like singing and drumming and dancing and coming back into that more primal aspect of ourselves so i kind of think of it as like de-armoring all of it pulling off the labels and the things that we've to- been told we have to be and instead just being ourselves. Where do you have retreats at? And what's that like, like hosting a retreat, like ever? (laughs) Everywhere. Yeah. Well, this year has been interesting because we didn't do any. And in a way it was very healing for me because as you can imagine, if you're doing say 15 retreats a year and the bulk of those, at least in the United States, have to be done like April through October for weather purposes, that means there's some months where you're gone three weekends a month. So while it was really fun, it also, you know, five years in, you get to the point of being like, I miss having a social life and miss like having time to to be with my partner. So they're amazing. We do them in Utah and Colorado and Idaho and Maine and New Mexico and Arizona and Michigan and Alaska and Costa Rica, so many places. And it's such a gift to lead a retreat because women come in pretty apprehensive and often a bit afraid of like, I know I signed up for this, but I like, what am I getting into? (laughs) So it's a cult. Like, what are we going to do here? And to just see them walk in the door and see how intentionally the space has been set and how genuine and kind you are and for them to smell the beautiful food that the private chefs are cooking and to stay in these beautiful, luxurious lodges in nature, away from the city, you you watch them transform before your eyes. And I always say, I wish I could take a picture of them when they get there and a picture of them when they're leaving because they're completely different. It's like they finally had some space to just be themselves. So they're amazing. And what advice would you give someone who wants to put on a retreat like that? Mm. So I will say that they're a lot of work. (laughs) So go to some retreats and just observe what you like, what you don't like, what you would do differently. And that would be really helpful. And then start to think about what your structure will be. So what will your daily flow look like? Are you going to have a yoga teacher there with you? Do you have a chef? How many chefs? What kind of budget is your lodge? And therefore, what can you charge? So 
sometimes it does feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of hats <laughs> to fill or a lot of shoes to fill or whatever you want to say but the more clarity you get from watching other people the easier it'll be for you to do your own and what is something that you're learning right now that's a good question what is something i'm learning right now well on like a very funny sense i just got a puppy <laughs> so i'm learning how to be a dog mom <laughs> Um, and that's, that's a cool experience. I've never had a puppy puppy. So that's like a whole other thing. Uh, but on a more spiritual sense, <laughs> so I'm guessing it's more of what you're asking. Uh, I think I'm still learning how to, how to shift what they say, you know, your wounds into your wisdom. So continuing to look at these old patterns and these old experiences we've had that no matter how many times we try and heal them or resolve them kind of come back they're so deeply rooted into our inner child or whatever it is. I think I'm still in the midst of that. I think anyone that says their healing has ended is not being honest <laughs> because some things in life are probably lessons we'll have forever. So I find that often when, when I'm struggling with something in my life, that's what it's coming back to is that wounded part of myself that I still haven't fully resolved. So that's just what it is. And what inspired you to start your podcast? And what are some of your favorite episodes? I had wanted to start a podcast for years, but I was so scared. And you probably mm -hmm. resonate with that. And then also the technical stuff. I had it really built up in my mind that it was this really complicated thing and you needed thousands of dollars of equipment. And I don't know, I, I, had, like a, I had a big block, I guess around it, but I wanted a free resource for people, for people that couldn't afford a retreat or were at the beginning of their healing journey or were kind of going through that spiritual crisis that a lot of us go through where we're just starting to see through some of the, the facades that we've been in. Where do you begin? And so I started that podcast and, and that was in February of 2019. And it's just exploded since then. And we've talked about everything from periods and menstruation to the power of the cervix and the true nature of, of how birth control works and human design and like everything. I think my favorite episodes though are about the cervix and the vagus nerve and trauma and why people get irregular pap smears and how all that happens. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's my favorite episode of all time. And is there anything that you think really helped you grow your podcast so fast or... Is there anything you'd recommend other people trying if they're trying to look to grow their podcast? I was lucky in that I already had a pretty consistent client base that were eager to start listening. So that's a great question, especially if you were just starting out in some respect and, and didn't have like a primed audience ready. But I think being really present online, maybe getting a, a non-vanilla <laughs> Instagram name or something and posting really authentically will be how you draw those people in. And then if your podcast is in alignment with that, it'll be so refreshing to them. So I think showing up online is, that's the nature of our world now. Posting on Instagram, making the cool graphics and interviews. Because when you do interviews, most of the time they will share the podcast and talk about it. And now you've been exposed to all of their people too. And what is something lighting you up right now? Hmm. My puppy. <laughs> He's so cute. He's a little baby corgi. I can't even describe how cute he is. Something lighting me up right now. My partner and I are just starting to look at properties for sale up in the mountains here. So that feels really exciting to really visualize what's going to work for our little family. 
and yeah and then get excited about in the future what kind of what what could be possible in terms of building a dream house together so that feels really exciting to get out of the city and what is something you do to stay grounded yeah (laughs) there's a lot of things my favorite thing in the whole world is in the morning when I wake up before I will get on Instagram or Facebook or anything stretching or doing a bit of yoga for 10-15 minutes and then meditating for about 10 minutes and that's like a non-negotiable for me it doesn't matter if I'm in a hotel or at home or on a retreat if I do that then I feel like I'm rational and really rooted and grounded the rest of the day it's been more challenging with a puppy so I have a lot of empathy for people with children now because it's like you close your eyes for 30 seconds and they're ripping into something horrible so that's been fun but also part of the practice, right? Learning how to just be okay with what is. And what's something that makes you feel alive? Mm, Anything with water, like the ocean or a waterfall or a big lake. Yeah, I'm very much a Pisces (laughs) person. What's something most people don't know about you? I think most people don't know about me. For a long time when I was little, I thought I was gonna be a lawyer because that's what my parents really primed me to be. And I thought that I was this very linear, logical person and that I liked reading and I don't know, the, like, the, dry, the driest things in the world. And, um, and I think that was coming back to that wanting to feel worthy, wanting to feel loved by someone. But people meet me now and they're like, you could, you could not be a lawyer. You, you have like way too much like, uh, passion and you're way too like, excited about these kinds of things. Um, Yeah. And I took so many weird career shifts in my life, like literally every weird shift you can imagine, just trying to figure out what I wanted to be. So, yeah. And what advice would you give someone who's in their corporate job right now and doesn't want to be there anymore? I think getting that clarity first, that that's not what you want is really important. And then starting to think about what it is that does light you up and how you could contribute to the world. So what is something you could do to give back versus like, how do I make more money or how do I become a famous or whatever external validation we're looking for. If you start with service in mind, you will always be far more successful. So whether that's through arts for people that are less fortunate than you or really being able to bridge a gap or change a norm or something that you see is really broken in our world, I think is the, the best path forward. And then take the leap. Save a little money, then take that leap. And if you were to go back in time, and talk to your 20-year-old self, what Gosh. advice would you give her? <laughs> oh, I think I would just scoop her up and hug her and tell her that it's okay that she feels so lost. It's okay that she feels like she's so broken and that really she needs to feel those emotions. She needs to stop stuffing them down because that's what's going to keep her stuck for the next few years. It's feeling like there's not time to mourn. There's not time to feel broken. You just have to keep going and, and keep putting on face. So I think I would hug her and let her know that it's okay, have a good cry, and that it will get better. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. This is so lovely. (laughs) Where can people connect with you online? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at The Menstruation Queen. So if you like anything that we talked about here, you'll love my Instagram. And then CassandraWilder.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.